In this episode, I'll talk about a recent symposium hosted by the Baroque Equestrian Games and Institute, where I was invited to do two demonstrations. I'll share about the event and the highlights of my demonstrations, and of course, I'll gush about how cool my horses are. All right, so here we go, episode 138, the Artistic Dressage Symposium. I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. So a couple weeks ago, I uh, was asked to present at um, an event, a symposium hosted by the Baroque Equestrian Games and Institute. And I loved the name and the intention of the symposium. So it was called um, the Artistic Dressage Symposium. And it I was a presenter, Yos Severians was a presenter, and of course, um, Bruno Gonzalez and Tina Christiana Vieter, who are the founders of the Broke Equestrian Games, um, all did demonstrations. And I love uh, doing things with Tina and Bruno. Uh, the Baroque Equestrian Games and Institute is their organization, and it's committed to the preservation and the promotion and the education and celebration of the Baroque menage horsemanship. So it's academic, artistic horsemanship, and it's based on the training exercises and principles of the Baroque uh, masters. So the Baroque Equestrian Games and Institute, or the uh, affectionate shorthand is called Beggy, uh, started in 2010, and it was really created out of the vision and passion of both Tina Christiane Vieter and Bruno Gonzalez. And both of them were born into European equestrian families in Italy and Spain, uh, respectively, uh, where the principles of classic classical writing were passed from generation to generation. So they were both really steeped in this understanding from childhood, and they each also became avid independent students of the historical training methods and the artistry of classical writing. And they've been devoted <laughs> to helping to share and bring some of that you know, classical wisdom to the modern day student. So their goal is really to make um, what they call these timeless truths accessible to writers of today. And so they've created this, um, what they're calling the classical competition and you know master education on this classical horsemanship. So through there, you can find them at thebaroquegames.com. If you're in the video classroom, there are several videos in there where um, there's a couple where uh, Bruno Gonzalez is um, helping me with my horses and, and helping to explain some of the um, more foundational movements and patterns. And then there's um, videos where I'm demonstrating at other of their symposiums. And there's videos of me helping students with some of their patterns. Uh, so we've had a connection for a while. I really love what they do. They are so knowledgeable 
of the history of horsemanship and dressage and when different styles came about and why and who and what kind of horses. And um, they're just a really, really amazing resource. And they've created these patterns that are meant to not so much be tests where you train and train and train and then you see if you can do the pattern, but they develop these patterns as a training tool. And what's really cool is they have groundwork patterns. So they start on the ground and then it goes all the way up through hot to call. And uh, anyway, I just love Tina and Bruno to death. They're very, very generous with their knowledge and their help. And so anytime they ask me to do something, I just say yes. And then I ask them what it is. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I love about them and, and the atmosphere that they create is it's very um, open to everyone, any breed of horse, you know, even though they're a lot of these um, methods were developed with the, the Baroque horse, you know, the Andalusian and Lusitano and Lipizzan, you know, they really want to bring that knowledge to help all horses. So, you know, any breed of horse open to different kinds of equipment as long as it's fair and comfortable, you know, for the horse and it makes sense. But, you know, if you come in a Western saddle or ride bareback or bitless or with a bit or, you know, they're very, very open and they will educate about, all right, what are you using and how is it working? And to be able to use these patterns, again, as actual training tools. So, uh, again, if you're in the video classroom, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom, if you just type in the search box, um, Baroque, <laughs> you'll see a whole bunch of um, videos that will come up that have anything to do with um, things that I've done associated with them somehow. And you can go to their website, which is baroquegames.com, and you can read all about them if you can get the patterns. And um, yeah, if you have any questions, I'm sure they would be happy to answer them if they got an email. So the um, the symposium itself, again, was run, you know, Bruno did some teaching and demonstrating. I did some teaching and demonstrating. And Jo Severins, who's um, a Dutch uh, dressage trainer, uh, who's also um, often or is the judge for when they do the competition events. So it's very, it's kind of eclectic in a, in a way, but what's running through the thread running through and what we all have in common is this sort of artistic way of approaching things very different in our styles in a way, but we're aiming for the same thing. We appreciate the same qualities. And I'm just really honored every time they ask me to be uh, a part of, of their thing. So I think what they see in me is just the, the love of the horse and the relationship with the horse, which they really um, value. I always like learning um, from Bruno and watching him with his horses. And, you know, what I took away from this event is what I usually take away from any of uh, the Beggy events is how precise Bruno is about creating the balanced movement dynamic and how getting that balanced movement dynamic, which is another way of saying collection. But when Bruno talks, he doesn't often say the word collection. He really focuses on 
balance. And to him, that picture of balance is when they're engaged and light on the front end and carrying themselves in this elegant, beautiful way. So instead of saying collection, which can sort of seem like a shape, um, he will talk about the balance. And it's sort of the way I, I will use the word collectability rather than collection. We're increasing the horse's skills for collectability. And, and that because I have that word ability in there, it becomes, you know, more verb-like. Right? It's something's happening. It's that move. It's that dynamic. And he's really masterful at it. So I'm always happy um, to watch him make decisions with his horses and make decisions when coaching a student or when helping me with my horses. And he takes it right back to the beginning in the groundwork patterns where with young horses, you can begin the the balanced movement dynamic, otherwise what some other people might call collection, with a very young horse in a very, very easy circumstance, such as just leading them straight down a line and making a halt. But how do you make that halt? And do they halt by plopping on the forehand and dropping their energy? Or as Bruno would do, like getting taller and not so much saying, whoa, but just keeping the energy going as you get taller and stop taking steps forward. (laughs) And the horse learns right from that very basic thing to be able to energize up into the halt. So with, I have a young horse now, she's, Cora is not even three. Um, and every horse I think, okay, what am I going to do even better than I've done with my last horses or with every other horse? And for me, she's, she's, um, Andalusian Lusitano cross. So I'm thinking, gosh, she was born and bred for this uphill, you know, balance tendency I want to still show her how to relax and let loose and stretch, but I also don't want to undo what I'm going to eventually train later. So I'm really trying to balance out this, everything that I prioritize, the looseness, the suppleness, the flowing, the stretch ability, but I'm also really thinking about highlighting this balanced collect ability from really the beginning. So I've been thinking a lot more about um, the Broke Equestrian Games and their patterns and the groundwork, adding that in. And in the last video in the classroom with Cora, where I'm going straight down the side and then hope and asking for these halts and she halts standing up. uh, That's all part of this. So you can sort of see that in action. And like I said, all of this Um, really dovetails well with dressage naturally, even though, you know, you can see, you know, oh, that's all about collectability and and all this, you know, fancy Baroque stuff. Um, But because the principles are similar enough, and this is the key, like, you you can dovetail with other programs if the principles and the the principles are the same and if the priorities are similar enough and even if the priorities aren't similar if the principles are strongly the same then it's just a matter of making decisions in the moment for each horse of you know do i prioritize the uphill balance or do i prioritize prioritize a stretchy let loosey thing in a moment but that's sort of a moment to moment thing
So um, I did two demonstrations. So I did one each day. And the first one I did was a bridalist demonstration with Natia. Because, you know, hey, bridalist is cool, right? <laughs> Who doesn't love a good bridalist ride if it goes well? Well, even if it doesn't go well, it's usually exciting. <laughs> but Natia um, is such a sweetheart. So I knew she was going to be um, just wonderful because that's what she is. In fact, Natia, if she's a little bit nervous, she tends to kind of glue up a little bit. She never looks like she's freaking out, but I can feel it on the inside. She just kind of does a little freeze. It's not really freezing, but I just feel like, oh, things are not really as responsive or there's not as much energy flowing as usual. So it's always safe. (laughs) It just sometimes isn't that exciting. Anyway, my point of my demo with Natia was um, to show how much you can affect the balance and bend positioning and collectability without directly influencing the head and neck. So we talk a lot about riding from our seat and our intention and our body language, uh, which is true even if you're using a bridle or even if I'm using a bridle. But, you know, sometimes it's kind of good to say, all right, well, I'm not supposed to use my hands. So Yos was saying in, in his demonstration, you know, seat, leg, hand in that order. So I thought, well, <laughs> let's just see what we can do with the seat and the leg. So I, um, first of all, she's so freaking cool because I can just bring her there by herself and walk into the space with a bunch of people right on the rail and she's just cool. So I let her walk around a little bit and just talked and gave a little bit of an introduction. Then I did uh, what I call the whatever trot. I'm like, okay, let me just let her go for a little trot where I'm not influencing her at all. So they can kind of see her natural tendency. And it always also was a good intro for her, right? So it's new space, new crowd. If she was a little nervous, like let her just trot, let her just have a little trotty trot around and then went back to the walk and then I um, just said you know now let me just start having her think about her body a little bit more and let her know I'm going to be talking about her posture or thinking about her posture so I just started to play my basic alignment exercise with my legs and my seat um, just at the walk and and then it transformed from kind of like a hanging out walk to a free walk and a, a, a walk that's stretching over her back and getting looser and taking longer strides and it's like okay well now I just changed I brought her back up <laughs> loosened her top line and and then went from there and then once I had that which took you know it was right there then I started doing um, patterns so doing th- through a little bit through aids meaning I changed my posture to a more uphill posture. And I definitely was thinking about my leg position and things like that. So through aids and through choices of patterns, I started waking her up to the idea that we are now going to be coming into a more uphill balance with lightness in the shoulders. So things like square turns, 
which is one of the basic exercises in um, the Baroque games. Square turns, also um, turning around the forehand. Notice I did not say turning on the forehand, but there's a way to move the hind end around the front end in a way that does not necessarily put them on the forehand. It They still stay up and active, so um, really it's about keeping everything good and activating one hind leg more than the other, and then that causes the horse to turn. But it's not thinking, put your horse on the forehand and spin the butt around. Anyway, so through doing um, yields of the forehand, yields of the hindquarters, um, halting actively, backing up, backing up a little bit sideways each way, doing things like that, she started to go, oh, okay, I get it. We're coming uphill. And adding, being able to add more energy at the same time doing that and seeing that the energy, instead of going bigger or faster, went and um, bubbled up. So that bubbling up energy is really cool. That's when I know they're on my seat because I can add energy and the energy stays wherever my seat is. So she was lovely with this. And, and the really, I think, interesting part that I kind of get all geek geek out over is at some point doing these movements and doing some patterns at the trot, her posture starts to get just yummy. I mean, her posture gets the way you would want it if you, you know, had a bridle on and had her round into the connection. So at the trot, we did some um, shoulder in and shoulder in where you, you know, you go diagonal to the quarter line, shoulder in along the quarter line, and then yield the shoulder in back to the wall. It's another um, classic beggy exercise, doing turns, uh, serpentines, and adding some 10 meter circles in there. And all of those things started to add up. And so then she has this beautiful, beautiful posture. Uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then some pee off and school halts and canter departs and um, canter pirouette canter and half passes at the trot in the canter. Yes, the kind where you actually have a bend in the direction you're going because she's so um, on my seat and wrapped around my thighs. So she was super cool. And, you know, it's just so fun to be able to do that. I mean, I still get just like tickled pink, just that I can ride my horse bridleless. Today, I rode her around in the woods on the trails and I'm cantering around on these trails and making turns at intersections. And, you know, she's just a lovely, lovely horse. Um, so that's pretty cool. But then when you can do it and really affect their posture, that's even more super cool. And I think, I hope it really causes people who see that to think a little more about what they're doing with their hands and what they might not need to do with their hands and to think more about what's in their seat and their legs. And what's, what's interesting is during the Q and a, um, so I did have a neck rope on her and I definitely use the neck rope to help like lift her chest. If I'm having trouble getting <laughs> the point across, uh, but it's so interesting that in that, in the questions, a lot of them started to focus on the neck rope and how am I using the neck rope? <laughs> and I thought, gosh, humans are really interesting because it always comes back to like, but what about the thing with my hands? <laughs> Can we talk about that? 
And um, so, I mean, I know it's understandable. We just, we have questions and all questions are worth asking. But really, dressage is about, number one, trust, right? Because a trusting posture is closer to what we're trying to do than a fearful posture. Communication and communication about relaxation, energy, and balance from the seat and the leg without hands. And then it's specific gymnastic movements and exercises. That's really what creates the posture. And yeah, reins should make that even easier, but it's not a replacement for any of that. It should just be a little detail of, hey, can I give you a little hint? (laughs) You might want to put your head pointing one degree that direction. That'll make it easier. But it's really, even if you're wearing a double bridle, it's about trust, communication, communication about relaxation, energy, and balance from the seat, and then specific gymnastic movements and patterns that help create the movement dynamic of balance that you want. Anyway, so as she went, she became more and more relaxed, and so that she became increasingly energetic and um, proud of herself and I was proud of her and I don't know I'm just thrilled I had a really fun ride on my horse and uh and and got to have people clap (laughs) when I was done you know I ride by myself most of the time so uh it was super fun for me to take my horses off the property and do what I do normally here by myself and uh, have people seem to enjoy it so I was super proud I was so excited for this. I even put like little spray glitter in my horse's tail. And believe me, I'm not a glitter person. (laughs) But I actually bought some glitter. I saw it at the tack shop and I thought, oh my gosh, my little girl Natia would look so pretty with glitter in her tail. It wasn't very good glitter. It was pretty subtle, but it was good like entry level glitter. I'm, I'm, I'm glitter curious. So it was my gateway glitter. We'll see. We'll see if I go further in this direction or not. (laughs) Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched, or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. The next day was Ovation's turn, and uh, Ovation is hopelessly pair-bonded with his buddy Hotshot now. 
So Hotshot get to got to come along for a ride also, which is absolutely fine with me. Uh, you know, management for what my horses need. <laughs> so I wanted Ovation to be relaxed and feeling good about himself. And if, if you know, all I had to do to uh, ensure that is bring his buddy along, then I'm happy to do it. I mean, it's sort of my fault that I let this happen. We just had some interesting herd dynamics in the last couple of years and those two got put together and oh my goodness, <laughs> they are having quite the bromance. Uh, so anyway, I just decided to make my life easier and make Ovation's life easier and give Hotshot a little entertainment these days. And uh, he got to go for a ride. So uh, Ovation is 20 years old this year and I'm just so thrilled with him. I love that horse. I mean, I love all my horses, but he is just such a freaking character. So I'm always happy to bring him out in public because I don't know, just people tend to connect with him. (laughs) He's got such a a Dennis the Menace kind of vibe um, while being absolutely beautiful and magnificent. So he's the one I call my magnificent goofball. Uh, But at age 20, my focus now has been really to be as efficient as I, as I possibly can. Uh, him learning to have that uphill balanced collectability was, and still is, not easy. It's not natural for him. He doesn't have a natural inclination for it. Um, he's got a ton of power, really good pushing power but not natural for collection. Now he's learned it. He can do very upper level movements. He's totally capable. It just kind of takes all of his focus and all of my focus. But here's the thing with Ovation over the years, you know, because it was hard for him, I tended to, you know, make it easy for him and not want to push too hard. But here's the thing, halfway there is worse than all the way there. All the way there, like, you know, balance, you're either balanced or you're not balanced. So all the way balanced is actually a kinder, in many ways, easier place to be physically than trying to be balanced and you're not quite there yet. I mean, we all know that's dressage at its worst is someone who's asking their horse to be in a certain balance and they're not getting there (laughs) and they're stuck hanging on each other, right? So Ovation and I have really had to focus on this. He's really flexible horse in in all the places. (laughs) So he he can be like a real shapeshifter and he can change from a good movement dynamic to not with like a one degree change in a number of parts of his body. So he's really been a puzzle for me. And so I'm, I'm quite proud of how far we've gone, but it just never, it it's never ends. It's like every phase of his life, it's like, oh, and he's in a different phase. And now I have a new, I'd have to learn a new trick up my sleeve. So, um, so the focus for Ovation, and I thought that he was such a perfect one to demonstrate this point was to really think about the efficiency and being super clear, clarity is kindness, to really get all the way there, 
yet have low impact because he's 20. And and here's the thing, Ovation had more soundness troubles earlier on in his life when I was, you know, making progress, but quote unquote, being really nice to him and getting honestly stuck halfway there uh, too many, too much of the time. So he is sounder and fitter in these last five, six, seven, eight years than the first half, maybe 10 years than the first 10 years. (laughs) And the reason he is sounder and healthier is because I figured out to go ahead and get all the way there. And so it feels initially sometimes harder, but overall it's actually easier on his body to be all the way in balance. And so the point I made in the demonstration was that, and this is sort of a general guideline, is that if you have something that's not working well, figure out the movement dynamic and figure out what part of that movement dynamic isn't working. Maybe it's dropping a shoulder or unloading the hind end or something like that. And then solve that movement dynamic in the easiest circumstance. Maybe it's at the halt, or maybe it's on the ground, or maybe it's at a lower gait. And be quick to identify it, find the easy circumstance, get that dynamic working, and then later bring it forward into more physically demanding circumstances. And so that's what I did in the demonstration is to come out and walk around on him. And then from the moment I started to connect with him, I'm being very specific. Throughness, balance, wear your hind legs, but it's at the walk. And if I'm going to walk 20 steps, why not in those 20 steps, make them the best 20 steps and put a little square turn in there or a, a backup or something else that I feel in that moment is what he needs to find his best balance. And then you know what? You can like let him rest again. So in walking around the arena, it would be, you know, kind of a free walk and then bring him up, do a couple very specific ingredients and then let him loose again and then bring him back up. And I had done some things at the halt even before I got on, which is normal. This is what I do with him. On most days, I bring him out, check on my school halt, little jambette, Spanish walk, check I got a little pee off button happening, three or four steps. Okay, just checking it was there. Now he's in this mode of offering school halts and shifting his weight and bending his hind legs. And it's all very easy. And if you train them like tricks and you really use motivation, now he's, he'll actually do school halt to try to get it a treat out of me to try to get cookies. Like I don't even have to ask. He's like, look, while I'm doing school halt, you see that? Look at my Spanish walk. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it could be considered annoying or some people be like, oh, don't ever let a horse do something you didn't ask for. But you know what? My horse, my rules for that horse, having him have an idea to maybe do some school halts, like you're doing, you're warming yourself up for me. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) I don't mind at all. So I kind of showed how, you know, how his body changes. And again, he's such a shapeshifter that he, his body really makes dramatic changes when he gets himself in the posture. So that was, I think, super fun and interesting. (laughs) I hope other people felt that way too. 
and then you know got on and like I said doing a lot of walk and what I call um, fiddling so I kind of fiddle him into into collection which means just a few steps here or there just a little square turn here or there okay just a little backup okay good you know just touching on it touching on it touching on it letting it go in between until I feel him starting to bubble up and so then what happens is he he starts to go hey I'm ready to go let's go and then just do some trot around throw in some shoulder ins you know so thinking about every step without it's like without making it hard I make it hard right so instead of pound you know letting him stretch for 20 minutes and put all the weight on the forehand and then let oh I got to do all my canner I got to do a big canner let him loosen up so when you know your horse and when you can be efficient and know exactly what kind of thing you need to ask for you can often get there quicker than you think but it's got to be specific and you can be again clear and efficient without being hard so in a way you're making it hard because you're like hey i need this it needs to be exactly this but in a way it's easy because you get to the good stuff and then you can let it go and you can thank them for it and it's really motivating for some horses because they they see this pattern of you're asking if they would do it and as soon as they prove that they would do it you don't do it (laughs) you're like okay i was just checking just checking to see if you would and so that's the relationship i have with ovation because he finds that collectability difficult i ask him a lot would you do it would you do it would you do it and i try not to spend too much time you know using up the generosity you know but if he gets to a point where he's like yeah i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it i'm like okay now we'll keep going and so i know that this is you know probably many of your plan and the reality is when we ask it doesn't happen and then we have to practice trying to get it to happen and that beautiful clarity that i can fiddle with now yeah it used to take me a whole session to get some of those movements that i can now have at my I'm going to say, I always say my fingertips, but at my butt cheeks. So I get it. The reality is it takes some time to get there. But I think knowing the plan, knowing you're working on trying to get this as efficient as possible is really helpful. Um, a friend of mine who's a trainer who lives across the street from, from me, Sharon Jerdeman, she had a, a horse that she got to Grand Prix and he was a non-sweater. So he um didn't sweat and here in florida like that's a really dangerous thing it gets hot here and she trained that horse to grand prix in a way that never broke a sweat (laughs) i mean not because he couldn't sweat but she couldn't let him get hot and so you know we talk about this she'd walk and do a little pee off and walk and do a little pee off and then a little this a little that and it was so efficient and it did not hold her training back in fact i think it probably helped it so that was sort of the model i started using with ovation and that's what i wanted to highlight in my demonstration so i hope that uh, that came through and uh, the the most fun thing was that that i had fun and that he had i had fun because ovation seemed to have fun and like i said i think he's really a big ham at heart 
So I think he would much prefer it to have an audience every single day. <laughs> so it was kind of fun for me to feel how proud he was of himself and how much he just wanted to offer and show off. And he got lots of cookies and praise during the demo. And again, I felt like I was just having one of the nicest rides with my good friend Ovation. And it was just like super cool that other people were able to witness it. And I could see other people witnessing it and appreciating it and appreciating him. So uh, yeah, that was just it was a good day. You know, you can't ask for anything more than having your horse do whatever you ask him to do. And yeah, I'm sure I could have asked them for even better stuff, but they were doing exactly what I wanted them to do. They were calm. They were happy. They were offering stuff and seemed to be having a good time and yeah, totally chill afterwards. So anyway, that's the story of uh, my demonstrations and time at the Artistic Dressage Symposium put on the, by the Baroque Equestrian Games and Institute. And again, look up in the video classroom uh, videos related to this at the making of this podcast. I don't have those particular uh, videos up in the classroom yet, but I think they will be there at some point. I did make some, I have a short like on YouTube and I made a reel on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook um, with a little clip from Ovation with this. So you might be able to find that. And that's it. I will see you here next week. Have a great week. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.